Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to the Silmarillion Film Project. My name is Corey Olson, the Tolkien Professor. Uh, my two normal co-hosts, neither one of them could be here. Dave's still on paternity leave. Uh, and uh, Trish, unfortunately, is slightly unwell. Not horribly, horribly unwell, but sufficiently unwell that staying, both staying up late and talking into a microphone appeared counterindicated. So I uh, suggested that she should take care of herself tonight. Um, but I am delighted to say that I am joined by a special guest tonight, Philip Menzies, the resident composer of the Silmarillion Film Project. Welcome, Phil. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome uh, from Australia. Yeah, absolutely. So glad that you can join us. And I know that, as is not unusual when we have an East Coast of America to Australia connection, this is not the most convenient of times for you, but I, I, I really appreciate your being able to join us here. It's uh, 2 o'clock tomorrow. It's so 2 o'clock tomorrow, not right. Too bad. 2 <laughs> exactly. o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Um, exactly. Coming to you from the future. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I had to take a little bit of time off work um, to do this, but... I have no problems with that at all. Um, and ev everyone at work and family are a little bit bemused with my obsession <laughs> with uh, music and Tolkien. That's <laughs> okay. There's no one around. My daughter's at the other end of the house. and They'll be quiet here in the afternoon. I'm looking outside at the trees and the birds. Um, uh, luckily, there is no fire. Right. That is very good. That is very good to hear. Excellent. Although we did have fires within 10 kilometers of home on oh two, in two different directions yeah yeah, yeah huge fires. my goodness yeah well i'm glad you and you and yours are staying safe down there that's definitely good news mm -hmm. all right well before we get uh to um uh, too far into things. I, I need to remember to do my announcements before we get uh started what, just a couple quick things um uh First, just a few uh, Signum items, and then one other special thing, of course. Um, and that is... Uh, so the, the, the Signum items, our spring semester started this week uh, on, uh, on, on Monday, January 13th. Uh, so we're, we're coming to the end of our first week. There's still time to uh, enroll for uh, the, uh, the, the courses this semester, to audit if you uh, wanted a chance to do that. So... Um, so anyway, so that's uh, that's that that's open and available, and I encourage you uh, to look into that. Some excellent classes this semester, and we have two upcoming moots next month in February. We have uh, two region two two of our first two regional moots of 2020, and that is Tex Moot on Saturday, February 8th, with a keynote address by our own Trish Lambert, um, who should be fully recovered by then. And then, of course, SoCalMoot. And I'm delighted to be able to announce the official date of SoCalMoot, which is on Saturday, February 22nd. And that's going to be in Hollywood. Um, our own Dave Kale is going to be hosting that for us at the Netflix headquarters in Hollywood. So... Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, be able to hang out there in one of the viewing rooms in, in, in Netflix and talk about adaptation. And I'm sure we're going to be discussing film film at various points. So that's going to be uh, that's going to be pretty neat. Uh, so anyway, so that's uh, that's what is happening here in the current and immediate uh, immediately to come calendar of Signum University. Of course, the other thing that I wanted to just acknowledge today, as it's on a lot of our minds, obviously, is that today, um, and for those of you who are listening asynchronously, it's the 16th uh, of January here, well... Here it's the 16th of January, it's the 17th of January where Philip is. <laughs> but um, 
Uh, here today, of course, we received the news of Christopher Tolkien's death earlier today. And this, of course, is a, um, it, it's a, a sad day. Though for me, you know, I... Of course, I find Christopher Tolkien's passing uh, sad, but, you know, I... I don't know, in my own experience, especially my recent experience, I have very very elderly grandparents, and so I've been thinking about this uh, a lot recently. Uh, It is always hard for me uh, to mourn over much people who who live a full life and and have and accomplish you know complete their quest right you know I, I th- that was the the phrase that kept going through my head when I first heard the news was Gandalf's exclamation uh, on you know at the in the battlefield at the Black Gate when he says the ring bearer has fulfilled his quest right and that's you know when I think of uh, so that was the first thought that I had when I thought of. Um, Christopher Tolkien's death, you know, and you know, coming to the end of that, uh, that you know, this long period, this this you know, f- uh, more than forty-five year period uh, of Christopher Tolkien's stewardship of Middle Earth, stewardship of uh, of of his father's work, uh, and you know, he he did an amazing job. The work that he has done over the last 45 years, not even counting, of course, the work that he did prior to that uh, with his father when uh, J.R.R. Tolkien was still alive. Um, But, you know, what he has done, what he has accomplished, I mean, you look back over all these things and it's just, it is such a remarkable example of someone who was given a very daunting uh charge. You know, I mean, think about that. Think about what it must have been like to be Christopher Tolkien in 1974, right? It's 1974. J.R.R. Tolkien has just died the previous year. And here you have the weight of his legacy on your hands. But see, it's more than just that. It's not just, it's not just trying to like take care of what has been right of what has been published but you know you know that your father died with the Silmarillion unpublished right with all of these works and stories that were so dear to his heart which had been for decades and decades already um, his dearest ambition and desire to see them published right and um, uh, uh, anyway so that's um the situation Christopher finds himself in. And I can only just, again, I can only imagine him, you know, in like January of, uh, of 1974, kind of surrounded in, in, in rooms full of like books containing stacks of manuscript papers and things and, and having to, to try to make sense of all this, you know, all of these, all of these piles of manuscript papers, which some of which aren't even labeled, some of which are mislabeled, of course, as it turns out, and uh, having to try to sort through and, 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 and produce something uh, publishable with, uh, and, and to do so with a scrupulousness and integrity that he always did, um, such a careful and diligent editor. And, uh, anyway, so just thinking of, thinking of that kind of, um, uh, you know, unbelievable challenge that was lying before him there in 1974. Uh, and then to, to, to look back now, you know, from 2020 at the time of his death and to see what he did, to see what he accomplished, you know, not just the publication of the Silmarillion itself, like that by itself would have been a wonderful, wonderful achievement. And had he done nothing other than that, I 
would bet you that his father would have been well pleased, right? Well pleased in what his son had accomplished and in the fulfillment of the charge that he left on him, right? But of course, Christopher Tolkien uh, did so much more, right? So much more than that. So much more, not only so much more than his father would have asked of him, but so much more than anyone could have guessed. Um, As I was saying in a conversation earlier this afternoon, I can't think of a... I know of very few authors at all of whom we have, like, into whose work we have a better and clearer window than we have with J.R.R. Tolkien, right? I mean, it is, it is absolutely amazing the kind of intimacy with which we have been enabled to know Tolkien and to see the development of his thoughts and his world. Um, it is, it is, it's, 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 it's amazing. Again, it would be amazing of any author, right? Of any author anywhere, right? But that we, you know, we, the world, we Tolkien fandom have been so blessed as to have the son of our favorite author, you know, the son of the son of J.R.R. Tolkien, who happened to be, you know, the man that he was and uh, to accomplish what he did. And so that we of all of the fans of all of the writers in the world are have been put in this, you know, arguably more enviable position than anybody who is a fan of any uh, uh, author. I mean, it's just it's just incredible. We have so much to thank him for, uh, and it's hard even to uh, to to sort of express that. Um, so again, that's my primary. I mean, is there is there grief? Yes, but uh, um, but for me, much more than grief. It's it's simply appreciation, and uh, and what a what a what a what a triumphant conclusion to his life's work it's it's um uh really really wonderful so um yeah yeah um Anyway, so, yeah, I agree, Xenia. It's really hard to imagine. Uh, Xenia says, no earthly father could have asked for a better son. And in particular, Xenia, I would say, I mean, just, like, what that father in particular (laughs) would have wanted from a son, right? I mean, my goodness. Um, uh, You know, there are ways in which... um, I don't know, I think there, you know, sometimes people will sort of think about, like, oh, you know a father mode would want, you know, his son to come after him and like, you know, sort of pick up his torch and continue his work. And, you know, there's a sense in which, of course, Christopher did not do that, right? Christopher did not follow in his father's footsteps. Christopher didn't, um, you know, I, I produce new fantasy works of his own. We did not get like another generation of like the next generation of Tolkien's works. That's not what we got from Christopher. Instead, he followed in his father's footsteps in a much more literal fashion, right? And produced something that we could never have guessed and would never have even thought to ask for, right? And that's, um, that's, that's just, uh, that's just incredible. So anyway, um, uh, couldn't, of course, uh, uh, proceed tonight without, uh, uh, without a little, a little mention uh, of Christopher and many thanks and appreciations for all of his work. Um, okay. Well, Phil, let's, uh, let's 
get into the music. I know we've got a lot of music to listen to and talk about here tonight. Um, so I want to uh, I want to jump straight in. So. So, Phil, first, uh, before we get into particular tracks, I wanted to talk just a little bit about kind of the overall project that you have, because I know that you have, uh, we often will kind of take your name in vain during the podcast over the course of the season, right? As you know, we'll be talking about a particular theme, and then we'll say like, oh, that's going to be fun for Philip Menzies. We really need, uh, we really need, uh, you know, that we, either we'll be talking about a particular theme, something that we're hoping to capture, or um, or an inc- incident will come up, of course, in this, uh, in this season. The big, most obvious moment uh, was that almost ridiculous challenge that we set you in the Marathatarthad um, where we were imagining us we're, we're like okay I mean it's it's almost like a joke right I mean it sounds like it should be a joke right like we want we want a song battle between Luthien and Sauron in which Sauron is playing a hurdy-gurdy now go like that's what we want and uh <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, 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 uh, so anyway, so that's of course a, uh, an extreme example of some of the challenges that we flippantly toss off, uh, and then, uh, and then leave for you to follow up behind. But of course I know, uh, right. There are also some other things that, uh, that you, that we don't necessarily explicitly request that you're thinking about just in, in, in pursuing some of the themes and ideas, uh, that we are, uh, you know, discussing over the course of the season, right? So, so, uh, what are some of the things that you, uh, just to kind of give a little overview here at the beginning, we don't have to list them all or anything, but, um, things from this season, uh, thing, uh, apart from the one I just mentioned in the Marathatarthad, um, other sort of particular challenges that we threw out and what were some of the things that you just kind of really wanted to, uh, to, to develop after listening to the, the development of the story? Uh, yeah, well, I'm, I must say that um, handing out a challenge like that is actually the best way to get the creative juices working. Okay, it it really is. Right. It and and I, I appreciated that, and 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 I I think that can actually work uh, in w- within the whole of the creative community in film film, mm-hmm. and, and actually putting out there we need someone, we need an artist to do this particular thing. Right. gets you thinking, gets you re- really, really thinking. So, and you did that a few times, which was really great. The dragon, uh, dragon helm uh, theme right. was was like that. You you and Trish put out, we need a theme for for Glaurung for dragons, and that came out really, really quickly. Um, right. When 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 you've got that 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 request, um, and not so much an expectation, but 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 when you've when you've been given the challenge, you you tend to rise to it. Um, the the um, uh, other one in there, I think, was the spell of bottomless dread. There was a little bit of talk in the, yes. in the initial um, the initial conversations around what type of music would be associated with that. And so, by the time I did the spell of bottomless dread, that was fairly early. And the script team, when they were writing their script, actually referred to the music that I had already written. Nice. Whenever in the script they said spell of bottomless dread, music plays here. They were thinking about the music that I had already written, which was really, really good. Um, other times, uh, of course, late in the season when we've got the scripts that are coming out from the script team, I'll be going through those, um, reading them carefully, and at the same time, I'm imagining the music. Sometimes the music that I, that, that I am playing, um, and other times it will be, oh yeah, this piece could really do with some music to 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 underpin it. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Um, yeah. So they're they're the sorts of things. A lot. A lot of. Um, and there was also um, there are. Um, I, I had my own ideas last year when I did the the Waking of Men, which is the very very final scene of season three. Right. I already had a desire to do a much longer piece taking in the rising of the sun and i also have ideas about the rising of the moon which is going to be a very very significant scene musically so i keep on going back through the seasons and thinking what was a big scene and what sort of music is needed for that particular scene so so there are a few things that that, that have inspired me and sometimes um the, it was it was very good this year having uh, the uh, post production session right in the middle uh, when I pose some questions to you because right. you're able to an- answer those thematic questions uh, really re- fairly early right. and I was able to go away and then develop those and I must say the reconciliation spectrum I had to do a lot of work on that a, right. an awful lot of work on, on on that one. Some of them were challenging, uh, some of them took a while, and some of them just sort of came out um, really, really easily. Um, so, so yeah, there, so it's, it, it's a whole combination, and I've still got some ideas about um, about picking up, in particular, those significant themes from earlier earlier seasons, um, and even ones from this season that I haven't got around to. But look, I'm I'm really happy with the with the number of uh, tunes I got out. Um, for this season, and it was quite a long season as well. Uh, so, so I was uh, because of the nature of the discussions, um, he gave me plenty of time to be able to, to to be able to work on the musical themes. Right, right, yeah. No, I actually have. You know, of course, we uh, changed up the structure of how we approach the season here in season four. And although it has meant we've have more episodes of season four than of any episode, you know, more sessions of season four than of any season earlier, uh, earlier on, I think it's been, it's been wonderful. It has created a lot more opportunities for sort of more interaction uh, and collaboration in the process as we've gone through. And I think that the mm-hmm. result has been much, much richer and much more interesting in that way. Um, but uh, but good, yeah. No, it's it's really fun uh, to. I, I always enjoy Philip listening to your uh, music when we get to the end, uh, and, uh, and and you're, there are so many of the of these things that we are wanting. Um, and it's funny. I think it was uh, Nick. I think it's been it's been you. Uh, who a couple times earlier in the in the in the season were kind of reminding me uh, as we were kind of discussing like oh it's going to be really hard to convey this idea you know on screen uh, we were talking about the scripts and stuff like that and and uh, you know Nick has said well you know don't forget the impact of the music right you know when you have the music there um, that is going to be uh, it's it's you know, often people can kind of not consciously think about the music, you know, it just kind of affects you and you can, uh, you can, you know, sort of can just go along with it and almost take it for granted, but it has such a powerful impact and is such a strong guide often, uh, for, um, uh, for, you know, our, to, 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 to cue it. I mean, and this is, this is something that obviously good, um, uh, good, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, screenwriters and 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 composers working together do really, really well, right? To have those things fitting in. Uh, so I love the kind of uh, the 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 kind of 
long-term thinking that we've been able to do with this, the kinds of, of themes and motifs that, that you've made and that we've been thinking about how this can, uh, you know, form a way to kind of connect different ideas and characters and, and, and uh, thoughts together that are going to be, I think, really interesting uh, and, and really and powerful I, on their own. Yeah. And I still have, I still have my ultimate aim of writing the anal envelope. Yes. Uh, and I'm one step closer to that this season. That's good, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we got we got we got part of that. Yeah, exactly. Talk about your casual challenges th- to throw out to a composer, right? Yeah. Could you just uh, compose the music of the Ainur, please? That shouldn't be too hard, right? Um, yeah, I mean, it's... no one's done. No one's done that to my satisfaction so far. Yeah, so I have to do no, it it's, it's very. I mean, yeah, it's it's like pretty from a from a Tolkien music standpoint it's pretty much the ultimate challenge right i mean it doesn't get more it doesn't get greater than that um how do you write perfect music exactly exactly yeah yeah no it's uh and it is not easy. All right. Well, let's get into some of the particular themes that you were uh developing for season 4. And the first one that we have here is the hope theme. Um and uh, just so I'll I'll start for each of the themes I'll start with this sort of preliminary description that you've given it and then you can kind of uh, you can kind of flesh it out a little bit from there. So you said that hope is a common theme in Tolkien's works. It uplifts and holds steady in the face of dread. It is also the name given to Aragorn when he went to live in Rivendell with his mother as a baby. Hope in Elvish is Estelle. This tune comes from a motif in the Girdle of Melian track, which stood out as important and inspiring. This will also become Aragorn's theme as the series goes on. Okay, so you're 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 seeing here this this hope theme kind of grows out of the uh, the Girdle of Melian. So it, it, this hope theme is going to it's it's, it's, so it's going to connect Aragorn and the Girdle of Melian because that's kind of cool. No, no, oh, yeah, yeah, a little bit, but. But considering that last year I based the hopes, I, I I was able to write the Girdle of Melian theme. I always had in my mind that the first theme of the Anilin delay would be seen in certain events that happened in the Silmarillion. One of those events was the Girdle of Melian. Right. So effectively, for the Girdle, I've written the first theme of the Anilin delay. So what we're actually saying is that Aragorn is actually tied back to the first theme of the Anilin delay. This is the goodness, the nobility that was meant to be in the world. Right, right. Excellent, excellent. Okay. Um, what are what are some of the places, that, thinking back over the scripts that we've discussed in season four as it unfolds, where are some of the places that you would most want to uh, t- to hear the hope theme? Where are some of the places in, in, in the score where you would want to, to place this most prominently? Um, I, this, this, this is one of the ones where I've actually gone back a number of seasons. So I specifically wrote it for, um, and, and I've actually saved it into my film, film, film season one playlist. Right. So you'll right. find it there. there. So, so I was specifically relating it to, to young Estelle in, in Rivendell and of course in, in the frame story. And I thought we didn't actually have any, any frame story music. I've just concentrated on this, the music from, the, from the main story. Haven't thought about the frame at all. Right. So it really fit, it really fit into that. But I would expect to see these sorts of themes, yes, ca- coming through in the in, in those times of of when when the heroes have got their backs against the wall, and then and then and then the tide turns. You would you would hear this this theme just sort of just sort of coming out, and it would be, it would be the beginning of of them coming back, and then probably other themes would take over depending on what 
what what the major what the major uh, scene was in the in 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 that particular episode. Right, right. Yeah, yeah uh, Nick was suggesting, uh, and I was thinking of that one too, Nick, uh, the uh, the Sun Still Shines episode, the one where Ethelos um, uh, is trying to, 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 to hold on to her hope when she is imprisoned uh, by Sauron, and of course, ultimately being deceived by Sauron. Um, mm-hmm. Boy, that would, yes, so, that, yes. The, the, a prominence of the hope theme in like the first three quarters of that episode would make the the twist at the end particularly crushing. I have to say, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so this was taken from the very final bit of of the song, which really has the crescendo and the loud cymbals crash. Um, and every time I listened to that, I thought, oh wow, that, that sounds good. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, and and it just sort of I just sort of had an overwhelming feeling that there was something special about just this this ending of the song. I've actually got my piano here, um, and I will play a couple of things. But just the, just the little bit that plays that plays, it reaches a crescendo and goes. No, I've got it turned off. That's better. Can everyone hear that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so so at the very end it just goes. Um, I have to get that sharp now. I'll just tell everyone I'm an intermediate piano player. I'm not a fantastic <laughs> piano player. Uh, I do my best. Uh, so here we go. And right at that point, the music reaches its biggest bit. The, the the music swells. A whole lot of instruments come in. You've got that really high climax there, and the cymbals smash. Um, so yeah, I've just sort of taken that as as a great feeling in that little bit of music and turned it into its own little tune. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Well, let's, let's, let's listen to it and then we can, you can, you can tell us a little bit more about the sort of the, the shape of this after we, after we hear it, but let's hear it and hope the sound comes through here.
Excellent. You know what my favorite part of that song is? I really love the the bass line. Of course, the 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 melody uh, in the is 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 very uplifting, right? Um, but I love the the sort of the steadiness of the bass line. You know, as it's kind of chugging along. It, to me, that that has like it's like that that's a it's a song with a good foundation. You know, in that way, I really like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It, it is, and it need, it needed to have that. Uh, some of the some of the tunes I um, struggled a bit with the, the feel of it, but the, the, the feel of that one sort of sounds sounds right. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, you do want steady as a rock for Aragorn as well. Right. Absolutely. I would I would imagine I would imagine this this vary, varying slightly when when Aragorn matures and right. would become something a bit a bit more noble. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. another challenge for me. Uh, can, can I just say, with the, with the sound quality, if people that, that are listening live or even asynchronously, um, they might want to um, actually go to the playlist themselves. I've, I've actually put all of these tunes into a, a playlist on YouTube, so you can actually you know, search for them and you just follow them down one by one. And if you want to listen to them through YouTube, um, and you'll probably get better sound quality. I'm just noticing that the, 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 the sound quality isn't 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 as good as uh, you, uh, yeah, is is a little bit unclear. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah, you can you can find those if you just search for uh, film film. Uh, uh, or Phil, yeah, just, just search for my channel, Philip Menzies. Yeah, Philip Menzies on, channel, on YouTube. Yeah. And then yeah, you'll see you'll see the playlist. There's uh, I think it's music uh, film film uh, 4.32 music session. So that that's the name of this session. Okay. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Okay, well, that's, that's excellent. Yes, uh, Neko's saying, you know, he says you you can you can hear that playing as Estelle runs through Rivendell in the in the in the first episode of season one, right? Yes, yes it has that little sort of playfulness to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rhiannon was saying the theme sounds like something that would be associated with Rivendell uh, in general, even not only just with Aragorn. Um, she says it makes her want to sing "Tra La La Lali." Is is uh, <laughs> the effect that it has there? And yeah, and it's and it's and and I would hope that um, if pe- if people like if yeah if ever this was produced that people would listen li- uh, watch watch the shows, hear that theme in the anal inlay in the very first in the very first episode just just hear that little motif and when and when it's done in the in the in the in the frame story that they would make that connection there, um, and it's about. It's about. It's often about um, lis- listening to music really carefully and being familiar with with the tunes. And so, when you're in the middle of a movie or a TV, if you act- if you actually know a tune and suddenly you hear it, it has a, a, a much greater impact. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, who 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 would have sit in a movie and heard heard this and going, oh, I know what this is. <laughs> Right. As soon as you hear that, um, and that, and that theme is used in every single Star Wars movie. It's used, whereas some of the other themes are only used once in, in one movie. That one's used in every single movie, and you know that when you hear that, something's happening with the Force. Right. So that's the kind of familiarity you need, you need with themes, and that's what I'm trying to do in this music as well. Good. Have that breed that familiarity among the among the viewers. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. Um, yeah. Excellent. Um, uh, shall we move on to the next one? Yes. Yes. 
All right. So the next one is your Varda theme. Um, you say, Varda, queen of the stars, the elves hold her in reverence as they remember millennia lived under starlight. This was one of uh, your earliest musical compositions and was very short, and you've fleshed it out uh, a bit more. Um, so I'm interested to hear the, the updated Varda theme here. Yes, yes. So um, so what, what, what I found with the original mm. Varda was that, yeah, it 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 it, it, cons- it only a few of the of the instruments came through really clearly, and there was there is actually a proper theme song, um, mm. a theme tune that you couldn't really hear. So that's what's come out in this in this one. Okay, okay. Right here. Let's so let's play it, and then you can tell us a little bit more. So it was it was really good to revisit that one and make it into a, into a much much more fleshed out. Um, and you could you could hear that melody coming through that up this one. Yes. Previously, all you could hear was the was the tinkle of the Glockenspiel, right. <laughs> and, and that was all. That and I just wanted to show that there were. So I made it longer. I repeated a few times, added a few more instruments, but um, and added um, added the some virtual orchestral sounds as well, which I'm now able to do. Um, so, 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 yeah, I was really happy. And you, people might be interested to know that up above all of that, you've got this really high note sounding, which just sounds continually all the way through. That's a Louvertard Louvita note. Right. So that's one of the thematic things that, that, that can keep on coming back into, in, into the music. Excellent. Excellent. So I... Uh... One immediate question I have about the Varda theme: Do you do you see revisiting that theme, or or let me let me ask this in a in in uh, let me ask it in a more neutral way? What relationship would you see between the Elberith Gilthoniel song that the elves sing in the Lord of the Rings and that theme? Would it would would their melody of Elberith Gilthoniel echo this theme? 
or work with this theme in some way? Would, would, would there, because I would think that in singing their song of praise to Elbereth, uh, they would be in some way kind of, you know, connecting with her song, right? With her, with, with her theme. Mm -hmm. Uh, would you imagine working with this in some way when, you know, when, when the time comes for us to, to, to write the music for that song? Uh, and try and do better than the version in the in the Fellowship of the Ring, which is absolutely beautiful. When mm -hmm. with the passing of the elves, absolutely beautiful. Um, that that that's a really really difficult um, thing to do. And the and the reason the reason being thematically, it's um and Nick Nick posted a joke on this. It's about it's about the the the, the, super, the superhero uh, comic comic character who hums his own theme music while he's going about his business. <laughs> right. I was really take, taken by that when Nick posted that on, on Twitter. Um, and you've got to really find a balance between, and I have crossed that line a few times, and it's, 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 it's like understanding that this music is what the audience is hearing representing the character and not necessarily what the characters are hearing. Right. So there is right. there has to be that separation of soundtrack from the world in which people are living. Right. But as I said, I have crossed that boundary a couple of times, and you'll see you'll see them uh, during today's session. Um, so I would probably go for a different a different kind of a different tune, but just allude to it in 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 certain ways, um, so that people might have a have 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 a, a familiarization there might be right. a familiarity to it and it might remind them of of Varda but i think when the elves sing their hymns of praise to Varda it needs to be needs to be different to that i think this is very much a a, a score type type piece sure. um that that'll that'll intrude upon the real world of the silmarillion only occasionally right Right, right. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. It's not that the characters within even Varda herself would be, you know, would have access to this theme. As you say, this is a, a, a way for us to communicate uh, equality and nature of the character and of this idea directly to the audience through the music. Um, I just, I, I, I think it would be fun if there were some way that there could be some kind of link there, you know, that the, to sort of convey to the audience, in a sense, that the elves, as they are singing to Varda, are kind of like tapping into, you know, her whole sort of idea and spirit in some way. It would, it's not like the, the, the words of that song would have to be set to that music or anything like that, no, obviously. No. Um, I think the most likely piece would be the, would be the little tinkle, the... Sorry. Right. That bit there, that little right. tinkle can be slotted in almost, almost anywhere. Right. And yeah, I've even... It, I've even I, yeah. I, I like that, and even even having that just as kind of an echo behind the words that they're singing would be would be really yeah. neat. Would be a, a really yeah. good effect, I think. Yeah, yeah, and I think that in a way is the most recognisable part of the theme, and it's the most evocative because you you are that that bit makes the connection with the stars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I love uh, I, the my favorite part, by the way, of the of the Varda theme is the the 
the contrast, right? I mean, it's 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 all like the you know the the really low smooth bass and then the really high tinkling uh, uh, melody up. You know, so you've got the you've got that that sort of silvery tinkling sound, which sounds like the stars. But it's but the, you know the stars are not just you know remote and twinkly, right? There's also this sort of sense of the 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 profundity of the night sky, right, uh, to the theme, which mm-hmm. I really which I really like how it kind of does both of those things. I think that's, I think it's yeah, really there's, there's, there's a real depth to the instrumentation in there. It is mostly strings. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it is mostly strings. I haven't got the instrumentation open in front of me, but I have used the cello and the, and the, and the, and the, uh, the, um, the, the double bass, um, just, ju- just to add that depth in there, which, which you need for, for someone like, like Varda. Right. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, James Oakley was saying that um, uh, we can only imagine how powerful the 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 live orchestra performance of this would be. You know, uh, totally agree. Totally, totally agree. Oh, Can't wait to hear the Philharmonic playing play? this. You know? <laughs> what will I give to get it played by an orchestra? Wow. <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, that would be pretty amazing. Um, mm. Cool. All right. Well, the the next tune that you had was uh, revisiting the Manway theme. So, having revisited Varda, you're revisiting Manway. Uh, so, your notes on this were that Manway was uh, one of your earliest compositions for film film, um, originally produced in MIDI format. This piece shows his majesty and nobility. It rises into the heights the same way his eagles do. Um, I've reproduced it with use of a virtual orchestra program, and I have tweaked some of the dynamics and instrumentation. Since the publishing of My Resistance is Fruitful, which is based on this theme, I felt it necessary to show how it can be played at a higher register, but not a higher key. This means some fiddling with the intervals, but effectively, the melody has been imagined and adjusted to match the different chord, yet retaining similar note duration and intervals. Okay. And the note I've got there is I was I, uh, I am in a bit of a Star Wars um, um, phase phase at, at the moment, but I was reminded w- when I watched The Empire Strikes Back that John Williams did exactly I did exactly what John Williams did mm-hmm. um, in, in in Yoda's theme. Yoda's theme um, is is just goes. Sorry. So you've got that major major chord but then it goes on to go um, uh, it, t- t- it pops it up it pushes it up right. but it pushes into a mi- it pushes it into a minor key which means that the, the the melody isn't played exactly you've you've changed the distance between some of the notes right. but you've got exactly the, exactly the same timing and you're 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 hearing that theme again but played in a in a slightly different way as I say, just pushing something up means you're playing exactly the same thing. Um, the intervals are all are all the same, exactly the same as each other, but just played a little bit higher. Um, and and yeah, I was just stra- taken by, by by the fact that I'd done something that John Williams does <laughs> <laughs> with, without without actually realising it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, James uh, Oakley says thematic transformation. Thank you, James. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is, it is, and 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 I had to make the when we get to reasons is 
future is fruitful. I'll talk about that a bit more. But um, yeah, I just wanted to transplant what I'd done with that tune back into this one to show to, to basically show the relationship because when we get to when we get to that later piece, people listen to it and say, oh, I didn't hear Manway's theme in there at all. Right. Um, and that's because it was played it was played at a higher register than, than what it's usually played and and the intervals were all mixed up and, and different. So uh, that 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 was that was the main thing that I wanted to show with this one. Okay, great. Well, let's listen to the uh, the new version here of uh, of Manway's theme. people got the, got the transition how people got got the transition but uh yes it went from um went from to so the whole thing's been pushed up but it's not being played in a high key it's being played in the same key um, which means that you need to fiddle around with the distance between between the notes. It just gives Manway's theme a little bit more, uh, a little bit more dynamic and flexible, um, and can and can be brought in in in, in various ways. I my I, I love how it it reaches that swell about one minute in through the track. Um, I find that that the building up towards that uh, you know sort of climax that it comes to there really moving yes yes and i had to i had to put it up into the very highest registers as well being being manway um and pretty much the flute is manway's instrument has to be a wind instrument has to be a wind instrument of course yeah couldn't be anything else (laughs) yeah 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 i agree i agree so so the flute is is okay so you um I'm interested. Why did you choose the flute? I mean, I agree, but it has to be a wind instrument, clearly. Um, yes. But uh, why the flute? It has to, to me. It has a pu- it has a purity of um, of 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 the, of the quality, um, and also there are things like um, like opposed to the bassoon. Mm-hmm. The bassoon is an instrument, say, that was used in the Sorcerer's Apprentice. 
and it was when the magic was going wrong. Right. So th there are connotations that we have. Uh, oboes are much mellower and and a much sort of, uh, I suppose, are probably more likely to be used in in times of times of uh, emotion, emotional times. Um, not necessarily uh, good or bad emotions, but 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 it, it, oboe is a very emotional instrument. Mm -hmm. I just thought, and, and and flute flute to me is is it has a fairly high range. Um, <clears throat> you can of course get alto alto flutes, which I have used in one in one of the pieces. Um, but but I, of course didn't want it to be a piccolo because a piccolo you can't take a piccolo seriously. Right. Um, right. <laughs> so, so to me, flute flute has a kind of majesty to it that that the other wind instruments don't actually have that they have they have different qualities right so 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 for me whenever whenever i will bring man way back in as i did in the um in the uh the birth of the two trees uh uh piece uh right at the end of that i imagine that man way would have something to say at this memorable occasion and i put in man way theme and the pro and with with the flute taking the taking the main the main melody there Right. So every time I would choose to bring the flute back in when it, when it comes to Manway, I don't think there's anything else to, to me, no, 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 nothing else should be used. I think there's a, and even though we've tried to make, make Manway a, a more complex character than he's portrayed in the, in, in the book, um, I think there has to be a constancy about him as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's it's it's very interesting. I I think it's a great choice. I mean, it's 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 also I I would say you know you were mentioning like the bassoon or something like that. I I can't I to me a just a lighter and higher pitched instrument just feels more right for man. I mean, with the whole with the air and the birds and you know the peak of Tenequitil and everything. You know, it's uh, it's not that there's nothing you know sort of basso and profound about Manway, obviously, but it doesn't seem to fit him for his dominant, uh, you know, his dominant sound, right? His dominant instrumentation. The mm, flute mm. does seem to fit that, to fit that better. Besides which even, I don't know, the flute uh, is pure. It also, you can, you, you can hear the wind more clearly in the flute, right? Than in many other instruments. Um, you know, whereas like, like in a reed instrument, you're, you're hearing the reed, right? And you can always hear the reed, uh, you know, which gives this, this sound its quality. Whereas, you know, in the, in the flute, you know, it's, it is, it is perceptible, right? That the, the sound of the flute is just, is made by the sound of the air. Right. And, uh, that also seems to me that it, it makes it fit Manway really well. Mm -hmm. yeah, James does. was it just does. saying a, a similar thing, um, uh, that the, it's more reed like more wind like than the, than the, than the reed instruments. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Okay, so the next was the, the Hiding of Valinor theme, uh, which you said was your longest piece of music to date, a whopping eight minutes long from the season three finale. The Valar have been deciding the doom of Middle-earth. The sun rises for the first time in the west with the Maya Aryan bearing the sun on its journey. 
Life erupts in Middle-earth, and the Noldor and Sindar look on in wonder. Morgoth's creatures are dismayed and shun the light, and Morgoth cowers in the depths of Angband. The Valar begin the task of walling off the Blessed Realm from Middle-earth. They create the Enchanted Islands as a ring of defense, and raise the Pylori to unimaginable heights as a barrier to lock themselves in. Vire gives us a tantalizing glimpse of the future against the backdrop of the Ban of the Valar. In the frame, Estelle is reunited with his mother Gilrine, and his fo- uh, future is pondered by the wise. The final scene is the waking of men. So uh, the the final scene of this of the, so the, the hiding of Valinor yes. ends with the waking of men theme. Yes, exactly, exactly. Okay. I've tried to make this the the, the final minutes of the episode so this is this is how the episode would would run i went back to the um went back to the script outline the script team um and particularly they that that they uh were talking about manway and vada uh standing on tanaquetl and pronouncing the judgment and then and then then the sun rising so um so that that's where i've started it you'll notice there's an awful lot of artwork in this one the and i'll just talk a little bit about the artwork um <clears throat> initially in my pieces i would just find say a wallpaper and who cares about wallpapers everyone uses wallpapers and you can't really credit them to anyone but then when then when they started to become a little bit more complex and we're actually talking about uh, specific characters um, or actions that that character um, carries out or, or scenes, then I'm wanting to find an image which depicts that scene or depicts a character in that scene. So I've been, um, I've been chasing up um, images. There is such a huge collection of uh, fan uh, artwork uh, for around Tolkien's works out there mm-hmm. at the moment. Let me tell you, this is considerably different to when I first read The Silmarillion in... 1978, like the year after it was published in high school, and and the only artwork that was available that time was the I think the 1979 Silmarillion calendar, which was full of Tolkien's own artwork. Right. So for many years, the only images that I associated with Silmarillion was Tolkien's own artwork, and it's only recently that I've come to find that there's a huge amount of fan fan artwork mm-hmm. out there. So what I've done is I've I've tried to source artwork uh, where I've just kept to one site and um, predominantly I don't want to go too, too far afield. And what, what I've done is I've gone more for um, certain, certain things w- within, within the picture. So, so to give you an example, I had, I had an artist come back to me. I wanted to use a picture of, of an elf sitting on a rock looking at the rising sun. And he came back to me and said, Miles not part of well, not part of Tolkien's legendarium. He's part of part of another a, a, a different elf and a di- diff, different uh, by, by a different author or game or, or, or whatever. Right, right. And I, so I said, look, I don't really care about that. What I'm looking at is is the connection. So so right. when you look at those images, I'm just sort of say for everyone when you do see the images in here, you and if you say, oh, that's not a Tolkien elf, yeah, that's right, it's not a Tolkien elf, but. What I'm trying to get across is the actual feeling of what's going on or depicting uh, an elf looking at the rising sun. So they're, they're the sorts of things that I'm aiming for in this. And I've tried to give credit to all the artists that I've used as well. And if you, if you go down in my uh, descriptions on YouTube, you will actually find a credit to every, every single artwork that I've been able to, uh, that I've, uh, where I've been able to find the, the creator. 
Um, so I have, have done that and even lately I've had a, a few artists say no for that very reason. Their artwork is not part of Tolkien's Legendarium. They don't want me to use their artwork and I've, and I've, and I've respected those and mm. source, source different, different, different artwork as well. So if there's anyone out there who sees their artwork, they just haven't replied and haven't got permission. They just haven't replied to me. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, this one has an awful lot of artwork because we're looking at so many scenes. It actually has a, has a picture in there by Ted Naismith of uh, Tanny Quettle. That's one or one of the first ones. Um, and um, but, but but yeah, there are mul- multiple multiple um, images in there. I have done a little bit of. I know you weren't really keen on the the sleep of uh, Yavana, but I have done a little sleep of Yavana thing there with with the sun's rising. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, look, there's, there's just so much in this. And one of the reasons why I wanted to revisit the Manway and Barter themes is that in the beginning of this, I'd like people to try and recognise when those themes are played. Mm-hmm. So the very first theme that's played is the Doom theme. And Trish, if you're listening to this um, afterwards, I have to tell you, we do have a Doom theme. There is a Doom theme. So you mm-hmm. need, to, need to stop saying... We need a Doom theme. We already have one. <laughs> we already have one. Right. Okay, we already have one. I did in season two. So it begins with the Doom theme and then moves into Manway and Varda's themes as they're pronouncing that Doom. And then we get, as I said, there's, there's a whole, nearly every note in this is has, has meaning. I mean, even when the sun starts to rise and we're talking about, once again, creation in Valinor, People, people might have listened to my Valinor Rising theme and thought, oh, there's not much to it. It's not, it's not very much. But predominantly what I'm, try, what, what I'm using, and every time there's creation happening in Valinor, I'm using this particular um, um, uh, piece. It's, it's not a melody, but it's a backing. You'll always hear this in the background. So it's... Right. And then it'll, it'll move to a higher register. So this is this is, um, and it's this is associated with Valinor. Every time right. you hear this music, it's associated with Valinor, and particularly around creation um, in in Valinor. And you'll even hear a tantalising glimpse of it later on in in one in one of one of one of the final ones. But look, there's there's just so much in this, um, and I'll I'll pick up on the other themes after we've um, after we've uh, watched it. Okay. Okay, great. This is a biggie. This is a biggie. <laughs> yeah, it is. Okay, so one last question before we start it. Um, you said this is, it's meant to be basically, this is meant to be running during the last eight minutes of the season finale of, of season three, right? So I'm wanting yeah. to, to make sure that I'm remembering what's supposed to be showing on screen in the episode. I know, remember, we end with the week. So this is during, as I recall, we're having a, a kind of... Um, uh, 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 a montage, right? Yeah, this is our, this is our yeah. sunrising montage, basically. Exactly. This is the sunrising montage, right. including including Fingolfin pounding on the gates of of right. uh, Would you believe how by his wrist, right? Yes, yes, mm-hmm. all of those things. So, so, but you wouldn't believe how difficult it is to find to find an image, someone's artwork of Fingolfin pounding on the doors, because as soon as you put in. King Golfin and Thangaradrim, it has his duel with Morgoth. Duel, right? Like, yeah, everyone exactly. does that. Everyone <laughs> does that. No one. So these are some of the frustrations that I've had. Actually, finding appropriate artwork that 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 fits 
the, the fits what I'm trying to get across. And so this is, this is another, another plea. If there are any artists out there, I would absolutely love some artists to come on board and work with me collaboratively to be able to, in, 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 in ones like this, which are actually depicting an, an actual theme. If, if I'm actually, if, I, if I'm just doing a theme which, which illustrates um, a, a character or an idea, I can find stuff. But when I'm actually wanting, wanting scenes, and particularly some of the things that might come out of the script outlines as well, and the script, I'm going to need something a bit more specific. So, so I'd, love, I'd love an artist to come on board and talk collaboratively with Absolutely. Yeah, that would be, um, that would be an excellent, um, an excellent goal for season five, right? So in post-production for season five, to be able to have, uh, you know, some of our artists who have been working with you so that we can be looking at the visual art at the same time that we're thinking through the themes and sort of seeing how they uh, can all kind of work together. That would be really fun. Yeah, it could be storyboards. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That would be that would be awesome. All right. Okay. So let's uh, let's let's go through the whole. Uh, wait, no, that's just not the right one. There we go. Okay, here we are.
was amazing. Uh, that was uh, that was just about the coolest thing I've ever heard in Silmarillion Film Project music. Uh, getting the entire because I mean, just recalling. Because uh, not only, of course, is that like an eight-minute sequence from one of the episodes that we actually envisioned, but of course, being the last eight minutes of the season finale and that montage that we had uh, that we had envisioned—it's like the capstone, right? Of uh, of all of that stuff we were doing in season three. So, oh man, just like thinking through the way that that brought. Uh, certainly, at least in you know in, uh, in memory, the, like all of the culmination of uh, season three uh, to life. That was incredible. That was really, really neat. Um, and I have to tell you, I absolutely got chills at the uh, when when the flowers started coming out, right? And life started started emerging. Oh man, like that part totally, totally gave me chills. That was so beautiful. And, and 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 I did I did what you uh, suggest recommend or wanted to hear, and the music at that at that point is Yavana's theme. Right. Yep. Yep. So, Absolutely. So I brought back in those uh, those sorts of themes um, throughout the um, with the rising of the sun. There's there's the um, the um, that rising up. Yeah. Which is exactly what I used on the birth of the two trees for the birth of Laurelin. Right, right, right. So once again, I'm reusing that music to to reinforce some, something else, um, which which is related, absolutely related. Absolutely. Um, and I have, yeah. I still have plans to do the rising of the moon, but <laughs> that yeah. one was proving a bit more difficult. Um, <laughs> some other things that were in there with the um, the uh, the hide the actual hiding of Valinor, mm-hmm. all those images of the of of, of the Valar. Um, of course, I could just show images of them. I couldn't show them actually doing very much. Right. Um, but when it came, and so that was the Valinor rising scene. But uh, it was there was a lot of brass in it, and there was some uh, timpani as well. But one of the main things I did in that section was that every second, like it's in four four, but every second bar was in three four. So it goes one, two, three, four, one, two, three, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, and it, it, there's sense of urgency by 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 actually doing doing that particular mechanism in in the music. And by the um, way, that is an extremely and then of course talking... I turned the, yeah, that so Valinor rising into a minor key right. with the raising of the Pelinor because in a way there's something um, very uh, threatening uh, in, in the in their actions there. So I wanted to say, and the good thing about the, the Valinor rising um, motif that I'm using is that it's neither major nor minor. Right. So it's just the other notes around it that determine exactly exactly how it's going to feel. It's exactly the same, exactly the same um, series of notes. Other things that are in there, um, uh, I hope everyone liked um, Vire and at the and her tapestry and understood the significance of that. Yeah. So, so, so that that's after after the big the big crash and there's blackness. You you see an image of Vire and she's sitting there um, um, d- uh, with, with with doing a tapestry and then the image you see of the tapestry is one star. And I particularly wanted right. to relate back to Tolkien's own um, for for, uh, for uh, prefiguring in in that scene in the in the book in the actual book. When the talks about when you do the the hiding of Valinor, it actually says 
and and this the ban of the Vale stayed in place until the coming of a rendal. And so that bit there is prefiguring a lendal, and I've actually written a, I've written a sea shanty. That there's there's a little uh, a little wind instrument um, bit there over the top of the, the silmaril. I brought the silmaril music back into that, and that's playing in a really echoey uh, right. ethereal type way. And then amongst that, you get this little da 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 da, which is going to be a theme called Wingalot, which I which I wish which I shall flesh out in many many seasons time. But that's the sort of thing that I like to do in in this. At the very end, of course, there was the oh the Enchanted Isles. The Enchanted Isles are a sort of a mix of a major and minor version of um, uh, Lorien and um, no, sorry, I've I've forgotten the names the, the names of names of the Valor, Ermo and Estate, Ermo and Estate. So I, I, this is this, with everything in music, you, it has to come back to well, what's what what what's what's supporting all of this? What what right. what what's behind all of this? And for me, the Enchanted Islands, the, so, so it says that people who land on the islands, they fall asleep, they have hallucinations and they fall asleep. So who are the Suvala who are in charge of, of the, the mind? Este with sleep and Ermo with visions. Right, so that's right. What I, put, I put their music behind the Enchanted Islands. I had the big ones there because they, they would need... Um, the, 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 the big one, big valor would be needed to actually create the land and separate the land and the sea, that sort of thing. But the enchantment that goes on with them was really, I felt, was, was from Estée and Irma. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I, I really like that. By the way, what, the thing I was, uh, I was thinking of saying before, um, you're shifting back and forth from 4-4 four, four to 3-4, alternatively, yep. like that? Um, that is... Uh, that is exactly uh, that. That's a very Tolkien rhythm. Uh, it's just like what he does in poetry. All that he loves to go back and forth between like a three beat line and a four beat line, um, right. uh, making a sort of an overall sort of seven beat phrase. Right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, so it's just it's kind of interesting that you're doing that because it's actually very very similar to what Tolkien does in his poetry. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I hope everyone recognised uh, the hope theme in the in, in the final bit with with uh, Estelle coming home with Ella down and Elro here because we had just listened to it. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, yep. Uh, yep. And the, and then of course the the waking men as I talked about last time is for a piece of music which I have written and and is on there but we haven't discussed and I'm not. And I'm not wanting to discuss it until we actually get to. I'm hoping to present that one as the for the death of the ore, and right. it will have a few a few different. And I'm 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 imagining the death of the ore to be one of the big themes. Yes, um, yeah, the mortality theme, right? As we're thinking about mortality, exactly right. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. So 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 that, that that's where that theme comes from. And once again, it's a, it's a, it's a we're getting a little a little glimpse of that theme. Um, a year, a year, a year or two years before we actually get the fleshing out of of, of that particular theme. Right. One 
one one other really important thing in the um, I've actually written the motif in there for the ban of the Valar. So so right. so, so right, right at the very end, we, we 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 just have a horn. If I can just find it in my music here, I've actually copied copied out a little bit of a little bit of music. So we've got a horn just going. They're the first two notes of the mortality of men theme. So we've got the band of band of mortals, and we also have the tubular bells going. So we've got this. And then the big, the, the big loud note of all, all the instruments. So, so this to me is going to be a recurring one, and it had to have the elements of both right. elves and men in it. And if you recall from season season two uh, themes, when I did the the uh, the, the Banyar, the Noldor, and the Teleri, they all have that th- that those three those three notes are, all, yep. are always. Yeah, I do that. remember that. They, yeah, so so whenever you hear those three notes, you're going to be saying, ah, this is something Elvish. Right. I've got to take note of these three notes. It's Elvish. <laughs> the three, it's the three kindreds. Right. So, so yeah, as I said, there's not a single note in, in that piece that isn't in some way meaningful. So it was it was a huge one, and but I, but as I said, I had I had a great time um, put, putting it all together. There were two really really difficult pieces. Actually, the the weakest part I felt was the bit of the effect on the on Morgoth's creatures, um, that that sort of rising chord after chord after chord going up and up and up. Um, if if you imagine the flooding of Isengard scene from from the Sioux Towers, and you just transpose transpose that music into my thing, that then it'd be perfect. I reckon that 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 music it's the same sort of thing. Those chords just progressing up and up and up and up. Um, yep, I, yeah, yeah. And other than that, yeah, yeah. Look, every 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 note in there is is meaningful in some way. Oh yeah. Well, that was so well framed, and and I I, I really again just the there's so many different elements of it that I really like and that I really admire. But most of all, I am just just really moved at uh, how all of that fits together. Thinking. I mean the 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 music sort of flowing from one sort of motif to another as we moved through the. Um, uh, oh, I've lost you. Oh, sorry. Yeah, my. Uh, I seem to be successfully confusing my uh, software here with uh, uh, my various auto audio shenanigans as I'm going through. Are you hearing me now? Yes. Okay. Excellent. Anyway, um, just the way that the 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 different motifs kind of come and go. I mean, of course, the the artwork was 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 very helpful in in sort of recalling things. But there's so much of it. The way that it that it forms into this larger narrative from you know the exertion of the power of the Valar and the rising of the sun, and then its effect on Middle Earth, and then the hiding of Valinor itself, you know, and, and the, 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 the similarity there with the putting forth of the power of the Valar and yet that, that kind of walling off, right. Um, which is imposing and majestic and yet, um, 
also kind of pushing in very much the opposite direction as the power that they're putting forth in the rising of the sun, right? As the sun is rising and, and uh, you know, the power of, you know, the light of Aryan and uh, as you, of course, have hinted through the music, the light of, 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 of Laurelin um, spreads across and, you know, the, the, the evil creatures cower in fear um, yet at the same time the, the uh, Valar are decreeing this ban, right, and uh, keeping everybody out uh, of Valinor and uh, making it, you know, making it um, impenetrable. Anyway, just all of those things, you know, come out so well. I, I love the narrative flow of the uh, uh, of the 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 piece as a whole, from you know, from one theme to another. I think it just it, it works really, really well. Yes, I think I think that I think that's that's my the one thing that I want to try and get across in these is that narrative flow. And sometimes in the pieces, you don't get that. And some of them, I think, people who aren't familiar with the podcast are going to have a lot of difficulty um, working out exactly what I'm doing. There was one one that I just posted. I think the the, the hurdy gurdy one um, <laughs> I actually posted on that canon. Yes, <laughs> just so that people know. And and also, if people and this is once again about the familiarity of the theme. In the, in the little bit that you saw of Morgoth quaking in fear, I'm hoping that everyone got the... <laughs> Morgoth's triad. Like, mm-hmm. this, 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 is, this is something that, like, I've, been, I've used it uh, quite a few times in, in the chant, and I'm continuing to use it in the ones, ones we've yet to see. I'll be using it a lot as well. So right. it's just one of those things that people should be getting familiar with if they, uh, if they have listened to my music at all. Right, right. Very good. Excellent. Well, let us keep moving because I know the final one that we want to do is the is the premiere revelation of of uh, one of yeah. your one of your new pieces, right? So we want to make sure we we, we leave time to uh, to feature that. So this is the of Beleriand and its realms uh, theme, which you say is the anthem for season four. Um, as the host of the Noldor set in for the long siege of Angband, they spread throughout Beleriand to hem Morgoth and his forces in. This piece does a quick roundup of who rules which area of Beleriand, although this will never be presented in this form in any episode. It gets across the idea that whenever a scene shows the Noldor and their allies creating their realms, this music would play. For those attentive listeners, you will hear that this is a variation of the Girdle of Melian theme, which refers back to the original theme one from the Ida Lindelay. Um, right, but that's that's the one that's connected with the Hope theme, right, that we were discussing yeah. at the beginning, yeah. right? Right. Uh, this is based in sub-creation, creating things that are meant to be and expressing the true nature of Iluvatar's original plan. Excellent. Okay. Um, yeah, Nick, I was thinking of that too. That scene where we have Thurin Gwethel kind of flying over and seeing everything happening is going gonna, is gonna to catch probably a fair bit of, yeah. uh, of, of, of these. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's, uh, let's listen to it and then you can tell us a little bit more. Oh, hang on. Hang on. Say, I had to change something. Hang on. Wait a second. Gotta make sure everyone can hear it. That would be good. Okay.
Excellent. So tell me, what are some of the things that you are most wanting to capture in this theme? Because, I mean, of course, there are obviously there's so many different things that are involved, right? All of these different characters and locations, many of which are very yeah. different, you know, topographically, geographically, and everything. Um, uh, not to mention, of course, the very different characters of the the folks who are living there. Um, so, what were some of the things that you're that you were tra- you know that you were trying to to capture as you were uh, as you were going through? Um, well, look, I've, uh, in terms of images, I tried to find I tried to go directly from the text, and you'll probably if you're familiar with the with the chapter, it follows the order of the of of, of the text. Um, so I tried to try to do a good roundup of, of absolutely everyone. Um, in terms of the the music, it was um, it needed. I w- wanted it to be the, the the first theme of the anal inlay um, and Melian's theme, and it is. But I've changed it from a four four beat to a six eight beat, which is a one two three one two three okay. type type beat. Um, so that that moves it along quicker. It it it's sped it's sped up more. Even though the the establishment of their realms takes years and years and years and years, um, the it, it still needed to have like a traveling uh, right. feel to it. Um, but I but I wanted to get across um, just a, a variation of that theme and around and around create, creating um, and those those realms being being created. And that, that that's actually a good thing. That, that those realms were were, were created um, for, for 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 the league. I mean, the oath and everything that, that are not so good, but the creation of all this wonderful architecture um, and establishing establishing themselves in these lands is is generally a good thing, and that's what I was trying to get across in in, in relating it back to the first theme. Right, right, neat. Yeah, um, I did like the interesting little variations that we did get for some of the particular the the ones that I found uh, most. I think the, the the single one that I found most striking was the 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 Gondolin theme, the Tumladen theme. Right, that that uh, there was uh, there seemed to be uh, it, it seemed to kind of linger there uh, a little bit more uniquely than it had in other places. Mm. I don't know if that was intentional. <laughs> I liked it though. It's, it's 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 not that it exactly slowed down. Perhaps it's just that the there were sort of more sort of sustained notes, perhaps or something. It's, there's yeah. something just it, it, it seemed a little bit uh, almost like a pause there in Gondolin. Yeah, it's it's uh, one of the things with the pieces that I write as well. They have to be self-contained as well. Mm-hmm. Um, pro- probably the one the the one that people say. Ugh about the most is probably the fall because the fall is so short and doesn't really have a proper beginning a, a beginning middle or an end it's just sort of these a, a few notes strung together and that's it goes for about 20 seconds and right that all it is so so every piece that i do has to have an introduction it has to have a, a main theme uh, that i'm trying to get across and it has to finish um as as well but obviously in the in in a true production Oftentimes these things would not be finished off. Oftentimes these things would be unresolved. Right. Um, uh, but, but but for the purpose of this, I just just wanted to put forward a, a little little thing which encapsulates uh, those episodes. Um, this is the expansion um, and the and, and and the realms. And yes, when, whenever whenever yes, during Wethel is, is is flying from one place to another. Yes, it would be. People may mistakenly associate it with her, but um, right. but I. But but yeah, but but once again, you're trying to obscure 
who the the camera's point of view is. Exactly right. So I think that's what I was going to say. I think that would probably prevent uh, too much uh, association between this theme and her because she's never actually seen while this theme is happening, right? Even though... No, exactly. Turns out... And it wouldn't give you... Unlike sometimes in music when you're actually trying to use the music to give you a clue for something else. And can I actually say... Um, for people who have seen The Rise of Skywalker, um, I did tweet this. The, the Ray's identity was in the music right from The Force Awakens. Right. So there is a link between Ray's musical theme and the, for those people who haven't seen it, the person that she is associated with when right. you finally find out her, her, her ancestry. There is a musical uh, relationship there for for people who who want to go go and listen and, and find that. So so yes, yeah, sometimes music is trying to tell you things that the camera isn't telling you. Right. But in this case, I think the music will will will, will quite definitely um, shield that particular fact that you are definitely trying to keep hidden. You're not you're not trying to disclose who the who the viewer is at all. Right. Right. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm going to I'm going to keep moving because yep. I know we have uh we still have a lot to cover and it's already getting late over here. So, um the next one is the resistance is fruitful theme. Uh you said the essence in this uh in essence this is the second theme from the Ainulindale and at its core is resistance to Melkor. This is a strong theme in season 4. Uh, the elves newly returned to Middle-earth have started the siege of Angband and they are resisting Melkor with all their might. This is closely aligned with Manway's theme, of which the Ainulindale says he was the chief instrument of the second theme that Iluvatar had raised up against the discord of Melkor. And you can hear Manway's theme coming through in parts, but it is chiefly a reimagining of Manway's theme. So this is what we talked about when we when we looked at Manway's theme earlier, mm-hmm. and uh, you won't hear the the, the the traditional form of Manway's theme, but but you'll hear the sec the, the second part when it's played higher. Um, and yes, yes, I really had to felt I had to do this one this season to to, to work. And now now this is basically the second theme of the Anne Lindley, and it had to it had to be based on Manway's theme. And I'd already established yeah. Manway's theme, yeah. so I was sort of I was sort of locked in there. So it has a particular feel, and I, I think it gets across that resistance very well. As um, as um, Tom Tom Hillman coined, um, resistance is fruitile. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. All right, here we go.
tracks, and it's so it's, it's like uh, an enlistment campaign. Exactly, right? Very, very, very stirring and martial in its in its sort of atmosphere, right? Yep, yep. Um, yes, yeah, and lots of da 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 from yep. from the brass, mm-hmm. uh, which which is 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 a great is a great use of of, of the brass. Um, but yes, those attentive uh, listeners about halfway through Manway's theme, the, the higher version of Manway's theme was, was played there. What I found that when, when I started with Manway's theme, it just, all I could think of was Manway's theme and I couldn't get it out of my head and actually, mm-hmm. actually imagine something different. So, um, and Manway's theme starts with, um, the A minor chord. And all I had to do was change one note to turn it into a C major chord. So, so it just starts with a C major and then goes into, goes into the same chord sequence throughout. And just that changing that initial thing helped me to imagine a different, a different melody. And so what you get at the end there is the, uh, is the resistance melody um, with Manway's melody played over the top as well. So the two are playing at, at the same time. Right. Right. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Yeah, and I can... And I, can... I look... I... Go ahead. I, I envisage this um, for um, Maidross's training, training montage. I think this would be, would be perfect for, for yes. his training montage. Yes, definitely. No, I was thinking of, uh, uh, you know, places in season four where I would, uh, where I would see this. I mean, there are definitely, um, I, I can see it being used fairly liberally during the, during the battle, of course, during the Dagor Aglareb, um, the training sequence there. Yes, definitely. Um, not just like during combat, but you know the times when we, you know, I, I can, I, I can, you know, there are many times when we are reminded of the the vigilance of the elves. Not not only the times when we actually see them fighting, but when we, you know, come across their patrols and and uh, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, there are lots of, you know, behind some of like Fingolfin's speeches as they're talking about the, you know, the, the, the need to work together and to, um, you know, to, to hold Morgoth at bay. Uh, I can, I can sort of imagine this playing in the background behind those things. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Absolutely. Excellent. Okay. Now the next one is one of the ones I've been looking forward to most of all, uh, because (laughs) this is of, of all of the things that we did this season, that I was really excited to hear because the spell of bottomless dread, unless we're going to introduce some like really hokey, uh, like uh, CGI effects or something, the actual, like when Morgoth like lays the spell of bottomless dread on somebody, there's almost, there's very little way for us to, uh, I, 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 I can only think of a few ways that we can give direct visual cues uh, of that happening, right? And I'm not a big fan of most of them. Uh, so the music, I think, is really going to be what is going to uh, convey Morgoth is putting forth his power here in this particular way, right? And, of course, we've talked about this from way back in Season 1. Of course, the link between music and, and, and magic or power uh, in Middle-earth. And this is one of those places where I think that we uh, can really take advantage of representing that power almost directly through music. Uh, so, so that's why I've been especially looking forward to the spell of Bottomless Dread. Okay. All right, so here we go. Let's listen to it. Mm-hmm. 
man, what is that sound effect? Um, it's uh, it's a sound effect of, of violins. I don't know exactly how it's produced, and I haven't actually written the music for that. I I usually I, when I when I write, when I write um, a, a tune, I will actually score it on 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 uh, proper music. Mm-hmm. But for that, I I just went to my um, virtual orchestra and went through some of the sound sound effects and found that they were perfect. They were absolutely perfect for eliciting yeah. terror. So creepy! Um, so, oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, I know. What what I wanted to relate it back to, if you if that 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 motif that cut, that goes uh, all the way through, but from the beginning, which is sorry, there's not much movement in that. To me, that's sort of like a knot in your in your belly. Mm-hmm. That, that that it's it, yeah, it's not all over the place just small and contained in that place it's, a, it's a not and I tried to get inside a person person's head so you'll notice that all the way through there's this which to me is I'm trying to replicate a heartbeat yes yes so I, long love, as yeah. person, I love that low percussion all the way through at the beginning it's just what I was thinking of of like the the, the yeah yeah no, that's great I, I tried to get the timing close as close to a human heartbeat as, as I could and just get across the idea that as long as the person can hear their own heart, they're, they're going to be affected by it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, no, that is... Uh, I, and, uh, yeah, the, the, the initial motif, um, the one that you were just playing, uh, again, on the piano, um, I mean, that is like... like a, you know Morgoth's personal entrance music, right? You know, like when Morgoth comes onto the scene, and like you know, that's 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 totally what I hear. And um, there are so many places again where I can I can imagine the application. Of course, we would we don't want to use overuse the spell of bottomless dread theme because we don't want to no. convey the idea that it's happening right and left and all over the place, but. It's this is mm. definitely a theme that I could imagine being integrated as a kind of motif in some other things that happen elsewhere, right? Um, mm-hmm. So that like w- when we have a, a character who is who is despairing, right? Who or who has uh, mm-hmm. you know come to a po- you know is, is sort of c- confronting despair. Um, you know, I can imagine an allusion to this theme. Um, being worked in at various places, just like you know the the haunting will of Morgoth, you know, just mm, like mm. dominating you and and uh, and 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 overwhelming your will and stripping you of hope. Um, so yeah, there are lots of ways in which I think it would be really fun to see it kind of worked in. Yeah, um, and it was very much based on the on the established music for Melkor anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, those attentive listeners might have heard the. <laughs> But I tried to make it a little bit ragged. It's like usually it's uh, Melkor's triad has been bomb, bomb, bomb. It's been ver- very regular and, and and fixed in stone. I think at this time it's good to add a bit of like the the the, the intervals and um, the, the timing of them is a little bit out to to show that, of him exerting his power and and decrease and decreasing himself in, in actually doing that. So, so, so the strength of it, even though it's still there, um, as time goes on, I'll make that triad even more ragged. So it's actually 
as as he loses and loses his strength because he's put so much of himself into others, there's there's less of it that 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 that, that he has. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like Rhiannon's suggestion that. Uh, uh, a, a, a portion of this theme could be played when the sun is eclipsed in season four. Uh, that yeah. would be a neat effect, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, that was really uh, that was that that was excellent. Um, I'm I'm a big fan. Um, now on to a totally different thing. Your next theme here is uh, is called Evanescent Lightsomeness. Uh, and uh, you've said rather than a theme for people in love, uh, we asked for a theme for laughter and joy which fades all too soon. Um, and that is a much more Tolkien kind of thing, right? You know, we don't just do like swelling romantic themes. No, no, no. Laughter and joy, which fades all too soon, is a much more uh, Tolkien concept, I would say. This piece features the stories of Turin and Lalith, his little sister who died in the plague at a very young age, and of Baron and Luthien. Uh, it is in a major key, but it goes down a lot with high jumps of joy. It features a solo cello, which gives it a tone of lonesomeness, and an alto flute, which is lower than expected for the flute. Near the end, it moves into a series of minor chords for a really dark moment in Baron, Baron and Luthien's story before ending with the ultimate fate of all mortals. So are you going to... Is, is that mortality theme that we were talking about earlier, is that going to be echoed at the end of this one as well there? No, no. Okay. Sometimes it is difficult to, 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 to bring all, th- all themes in. Um, this is its own theme about... Okay. Uh, and, exact, and, 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 you know, the, the amount of time I took uh, going through my dictionary and thesaurus to look up the to, to look up the <laughs> an appropriate title for this mm-hmm. um, is, is, is amazing. But that's what I came up with. <laughs> I, 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 like couldn't, I couldn't call this one "Laughter and Joy," which fades all too soon. <laughs> right? It couldn't be called that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can see that. I can see that. It wouldn't exactly fit. Okay. All right. So let's listen to this one. Thank you. 
I felt like I could I could feel the incipient melancholy from the very beginning. <laughs> it was de- it, I mean like the, the primary thing I was thinking was like the contrast between um so this theme and the hope theme from the beginning are both, you know, happy and uplifting themes, right? But this was not this didn't have the same kind of uplifting effect like it um not this isn't a song that would cheer me up, right? Like if I if I were feeling a little gloomy, the hope theme might help to cheer me up, right? This wouldn't cheer me up if I were feeling gloomy. Again, you you can you can almost taste the you know the 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 fading from the very beginning of this. You you can, and it need, it needed to it needed to have that. Mm-hmm. Um, it needed it, it needed to actually show um, that that this isn't going to last. Right. That, to, to me, that's the message that's getting across. This isn't going to last. Um, it's, it, it, it's wonderful as it is, and, and it's a tune in itself, and particularly when the flute comes in and it's rising up, um, that, that, that it's very, very uplifting. Um, but, but, yeah, generally speaking, uh, I tried to get across the idea that, that, that this is not, long, this is not long, going to last long at all. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um... Yeah, and the, I mean, the thing is, again, in Tolkien's world, that theme, you know, the laughter and joy which fades all too soon theme is one which will have a great breadth of applicability, um, you know, mm-hmm. many points uh, through the story. I know you were, uh, you know, you were obviously thinking primarily about Turin and Lilith and Baron and Luthien here, um, which, of course, we're almost to Baron and Luthien, but we're still a ways away from Turin and, and Lilith uh, in our story. Um, but, I mean, of course, I, I do think that those two uh, pairings do uh, do capture this. Um, but thinking in season four terms... Yeah, yeah, not, yeah, not really in season four. It's, uh, but it was just the discussion that, 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 yeah, that was had. Yeah, no, I mean, but, um, but I wonder, I mean... One of the places that I could imagine having this going on in the background would be somewhere like the Marathadarthad. I mean, I know that we have special music for the Marathadarthad, but that's a special scene in the Marathadarthad, right? But just to um, uh, to kind of because there are you know there are happy moments, there are fun moments that we're trying to capture in this, and and that especially you know this like everyone is together and in concord and and there's hope and uh, and and everything you know I I could definitely imagine this theme or you know being kind of worked in uh, to some of our like Marathad or Thad kind of montage pieces before we get uh, to the actual uh, you know confrontation and and, and conflict there. You could you could actually use it for when Melkor goes to corrupt corrupt the men, mm. um, uh, the humans. If, if you wanted to show like this, this is the typical like before he arrives, right. before he arrives. Right. If, if you want to show a scene of the people getting along and and uh, and just living their lives, that would be perfect for that because it's going to end. Melkor's here. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's interesting. I, I don't know if we're gonna be able to show too much of them, but that is a really interesting idea for, uh, for when it like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it'll be good. It'll be good prefiguring and, and showing right in the beginning of the story that this story is actually doomed right. by, by use, by use of that particular music rather than really uplifting music. The audience will know straight away. Oh, this isn't going to, this isn't going to last. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Okay. All right. So next we have the reconciliation spectrum. Um, so it's 
in session 415, a spectrum of musical motifs to signify different stages in the reconciliation journey. Yeah, so we we, we wanted we yeah this was a, this was a fairly detailed and demanding request that we made, as yes. I recall. Yes, it was. <laughs> um, uh, yes, uh, because of course you know that reconciliation and forgiveness was our was our dominant uh, theme of season four, um, but there were going to be a lot of different you know shades and stages uh, in that uh, that we were looking for. So yeah, so we're so we're 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 you're giving us uncertainty, doubt and uncertainty, suspicion, open conflict, uh, more uncertainty, attempts to bridge. But I assume that second one is uncertainty, kind of. Going in a positive rather than in a negative direction, right? The sort well, of... well, I, well, the, no, it's exactly the same. It's it's repeated. Oh, but it's, it's repetition. Audience, so basically, basically, we start in the middle and then we go downwards, right? And then we go back to the middle and work our way upwards. So, but we had okay. to go back to that uncertainty again, right? Okay. And so, um, and, yeah, yeah, and 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 what I want to do, it took it took me a while to work to work through this one, but what I eventually came up with was. A string of notes, which to me sounded sounded uncertain, and it didn't resolve or go anywhere. And that's just um, this. Okay. So it's in a minor key. You can do a lot with it, but I just thought it doesn't know where it's going. It's it's not in no way finished. Right. Um. And and so I've started every every uh, piece of music with those five notes. Um, but then what I, then it all depends on where the next note goes as to the, the tone of that particular piece. So I started with these five notes for every single one and then decided on whether it was, that's a really bad one. Right. Right. <laughs> that, the next, uh, the next note determines exactly what it's going to be. Okay. Excellent. That's awesome. Okay. All right. And and uh, and it says that you worked in Myron's theme uh, into the suspicion and open oh, yes. open conflict sections. Everyone remember Myron's theme? Okay. So that was from season one. So you'll you'll hear in the suspicion ones and the open conflict. Yes, you'll hear that. That in particular is is associated with with, with Myron. We did that with Myron's posse and the and the other Myron theme. Right, right, excellent. So keep listening, listening out for those. Okay, all right, all right. Let's see. Let's uh, let's let's go through our spectrum here.
So that forgiveness theme is like that's like Galadriel's wedding march right there. <laughs> you know, like that's absolutely what I hear going on. Like that, there are two things that really struck me from that. that. That one, I was like, okay, this is this is Galadriel's wedding right here. This is absolutely okay. Galadriel's wedding. And the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the bridging gaps section, I was like, that's like the mm. Caliborn theme right there. I mean, I was, I was, uh, the, what the scene yeah. that I was picturing in my head the whole time that that was playing, um, was the scene of, of, uh, Caliborn approaching Goadriel at the Marathad or thought, and their sort of first conversations as, um, you know, he is sort of drawing her out and winning her trust, um, I, I, I thought that would, that, that would, uh, work just perfectly. I really that that um, uh, it's. I mean, after you pointed it out before we began listening, that five note structure and the way that it resolves uh, is makes these so applicable, right? I mean, it it really easy just to introduce that that five note run, and then like the notes that come immediately afterwards, right. That can be used like in the background behind so many scenes and moments and speeches, uh, in, in the story. It's, uh, uh and I, and, love... and and... so go ahead, go ahead. And you don't know which way, you don't know which way it's going to go. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. No, I think my favorite, uh, my favorite one is the chord that immediately follows it in the uncertainty. One that's that was uh, I, I I found that so striking the first time. Um, uh, that was not where I was what I was expecting to follow those, <laughs> those five notes. Um, uh, but it was uh, it was it was it was really rich rich. I liked that a lot. So yeah, no, that's um, uh, that is that is spectacular work. The themes played you know at greater length uh, are 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 really wonderful and as i say there are so many scenes i can i can imagine where uh, they or something uh, you know something like them would work really well or you know parts of them would work really well but um uh but again i'm just kind of imagining you know one of those you know it's like uh, other little small moments you know like Turgon and Ecthelion uh, uh, and Gorfindel out following the birds, right? We have them following them when they're discovering Gondolin, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, you know, like them looking off towards the mountains and, you know, like the uncertainty theme, you know, like those about like 10 seconds of the uncertainty theme plays behind them as they're as they're staring mm-hmm. off at the mountains, right? I mean, there's so many ways in which that could come in, I think, in really powerful ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was listening to them after I'd, after I'd created them and thinking now what, what how, how are they different what's the, and obviously the, the uncertainty ones they sort of meander around everywhere and they don't actually don't actually say anything state anything clearly mm-hmm. um, but, but as you move into like what's the difference between um, bridging gaps and and the, like the three positive ones right. and I came down to musically I put a lot more of the, the, the like the clashing notes like in bridging gaps right so notes like that that don't exactly fit together. So, so that's that's the uncertainty in that particular musical piece. But by the time you get to forgiveness, they're they're all just they're all just pure chords. Right. And there's and there, there, there's, there's nothing like that happening at all, or, or, or seventh notes or anything like that. So right. that that seems to be the difference musically between all those pieces. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's that's it. And of course, the um, the percussion was the number one was was the primary thing that you know I could I could hear and feel in the open conflict one. The thing that really yeah. signaled the difference between mere suspicion and and open conflict. Yes. Yes. I've been, I've been experimenting a little bit more with percussion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not not my strong not my strong point. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, next comes one of the ones I've been looking forward to most, which is the Hurdy Gurdy uh, song. So uh, you said at the uh, at the Marathatarthad, Sauron, disguised as an Oldo, takes a, uh, takes apart some of the musical instruments and corrupts them into his own invention, which resembles a Hurdy Gurdy. He plays it up on a balcony where he cannot be seen, and the music that wafts over the crowd at the feast causes some to argue and bicker. Luthien notices this and identifies the discordant music as the cause and turns the music from its intent into a little humorous ditty. The script team requested the ditty be Tolkien's poem Goblin Feet. The hurdy-gurdy itself is a combination of two drone strings continuously playing notes with little variation, violin and cello, with the tune and harmony, which is minor, with many off notes, viola, and twanging notes played erratically uh, through plucked strings. <laughs> yeah, I um, uh, yeah, it, it plays out a little bit differently to to, to the way the script team imagined it, but um, but pr- pretty pretty much um, uh, Luthien takes control fairly early, and Sauron's quite surprised at that, and then spends the rest of the tune trying to get it back, and so you'll hear all of these little little ornaments, these little trills of him attempting to. To, to drag the instrument away from from, from what she's from, from what she's dictating. Right, right, great. And this is our f- this is the first ever uh, 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 tune that we will discuss in our pot, which features a vocalist, right? Um, no, no, we did two last did we do season. Vocalists? We did the, we okay, we did the, the we had a vocalist in the Girdle of Melian. We had oh, right, the Girdle of Melian one, right? Um, singing, singing, singing um, Valerian. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually uh, gave the vocals to um, "Words of Mockery," the the tune by Dayron. Right, right. So okay. the, look, a big thank you to Megan. I'm hoping that she's um, joined us this she evening. Is. She is. She's here. She'll... Yes. Yeah. Great. Uh, look, I'm just so so pleased with Megan. She sang on the oath, and then I heard a voice and thought she has just a lovely tone to a voice, um, and gave this to her, and she she did it wonderfully. Excellent. Okay, well, I'm I'm really looking forward to this. So, okay, here we go. The Luthien-Sauron conflict.
down the road where the fairy lanterns glowed and a little pretty filter mice are flying. A slender band of gray grows creepily away and the hedges and the grasses are a-sighing. The air is full of wings and a blundry beetle things that warn you with their warning and their homing. Oh, I hear the tiny horn with the berries on her thorns and the padded feet of many gnomes that coming. All the lights, all the gleams, all the little twinkly sounds, all the rustle of their little noises robes. All the echoes of the So we we had the uh, the the finding and the dismantling of um, of the hurdy gurdy there at the end, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, exactly. But I was I was sort of envisaging that that that, that Luthien's power would have would have caused it to just break. Right, right. <laughs> that is uh, that is excellent. Yes, as Marie says, the crashing of the illusion there at the end. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> I was, I was, I was laughing in the middle. Nick commented, and thus Luthien's place in the pantheon of Disney princesses is cemented. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. but the guys did it. Didn't they? <laughs> Agreed. Yes, uh, it, I did. 
I did change one one line. You probably noticed. Um, I didn't really feel that leprechauns. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering what happened to the stage. leprechauns. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> yes. I, I, I yeah, understood. Leafy berries with hawthorns. Right, understood. I, you know, I. Um, it's funny. I so. First of all, I loved the and, and, and Megan. What a wonderful job! That was uh, uh, that's it's a really challenging line to sing, uh, and you did a wonderful job not only with the uh, the melody but with the the tone and spirit of it. I agree. As uh, as Nick says, you can just see Luthien darting around the hall and you know in, inducing dancers to join her. Right? Um, uh, it was uh, uh, Megan just wonderfully done. Um, and I, I I I really love the um, the way that the the verses in the chorus uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, work into the spirit of the thing. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure I am sold with using the on um, using the actual text of Goblin Feet. Um, mostly just because I mean there's so much disjunction between Goblin Feet and the whole legendarium, right? Um, that uh, even even without the leprechauns, I found myself still twitching occasionally. Right when we get to the little gnomes and everything else, um, um, but um, uh, uh, but anyway, that was uh, it's still it, it, that was it was it was beautifully done, um, and the way that it starts in gradually, right? That is, you know, with with, with the first little um, uh, non, uh, you know, yeah. the, just. Just melodic singing with with no words there at the beginning, right? Um, how she kind of first interrupts, but she's not trying to simply overpower, right? It's not like she just starts another melody and out sings it, right? Uh, I loved the way that it came in gently like that to sort of show how she sort of is is undermining it and then you know transforming it, and I thought that that was uh, that was that was much more powerful. Yes, yes, and the bit where she really took over, I don't know whether anyone noticed, but he, this is where I crossed the line. He played his own theme song, in be- theme music in between, in between the, um, where, when, he'd, when he'd finished the verse, effectively the verse and chorus once. He just did the... Mm-hmm. Added that in there, so I crossed the line there. But after Luthien's come in, he's just in the middle of playing it when Luthien caused it to go... She takes control of his actual thing, right? Forces it into somewhere where he wasn't expecting, and that's where he. It would look so much good if, if this was acted out. You could put facial expressions and everything, and it, it'd play out much, much, much better than the than the images that I've done. But uh, but, but yeah, I'm I'm really pleased with it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that was. Uh... You know, as we said at the beginning, this piece was a very remarkable challenge that was set for you. And of course, you know that the whole hurdy gurdy thing is Nick Poazzo's fault, right? I just want to make sure that that's absolutely clear. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, that was uh, that was uh, that was just spectacular. And the and further integrating goblin, you know, uh, uh, goblin feet into the melody of that was was. That is yeah. remarkable. I, that is well beyond what uh, uh, what I, I would have expected. I imagine the throwaway line after she's done that with one of the Noldor saying, did she just call it a gnome? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it does have a... Uh, it, it, 
it does have a, a, a completely unintended dimension of humor sung, you know, among and, the Noldor, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, that is excellent. Well, that well, congratulations and thanks again, Megan. That was that was uh, uh, that was just beautiful. Okay, so the next one is uh, a theme is born, Merith Adarthad to Gondolin. Um, uh, so the feast was a time when Noldor and Sindar came together and there was unity between the two groups. This got me thinking about themes and how they could be used together. I've used my existing themes for the Noldor and Teleri in the first part of the video when the two groups are mingling. The themes start to switch instruments and primary instruments, the flute and the lute, play the other culture's tune, and then play together united. This first section uses the ABC music system used in Lotro to give the music a more grounded feel, as if this is the actual music that is being played at the feast. When Turgon makes his appearance as the leader of a united people, both Noldor and Sindar with a new theme is, is hinted at, but before it can play in its entirety, the music swells and the full orchestra comes in to announce a new theme for the Vale of Tumladen to be played at its discovery and in the building phase until the theme is, uh, is played in all of its glory when Gondolin is complete. Prominent are the horns announcing its grandeur and the violins which pick up the Valinor backing music to add to the mix. It ends with the eagles soaring over Gondolin and the music reminiscent of Manway's theme. Man, that is a lot going on in this track. It is, it is. But, but the one thing that came out of the discussion about the actual music that would be played during the feast yeah. And, 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 and so, so, so I've effectively, I've crossed that line again. I've used their, their own theme musics, right. theme music, um, but played by the instrument and would be played by the, by the musicians that, that are actually seen, seen at the feast there. Um, yeah, I really like the way it plays out. Yeah, excellent. Okay, let's listen to this.
loves the Gondolin theme. Ah, oh, that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is one of my favorites. Wow. No, good. Uh, yeah, I spent, spent a lot of time setting that up in 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 having having the two different themes. The um, as the as the Caleri theme, mm-hmm. the, and the Cinder would have would have taken on that theme. As, the Cinder would have adopted that theme as well, and also um, um, adding in the uh, the Noldor theme, and then the, you keep on you keep on hearing those runs down through the Gondolin theme as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've and so so basically you get it, you get it. So joining those two themes together has led into the beginning of a, of, of a new theme for 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 a, a totally totally new city, but it's come from the the amalgamation of those two different people. Right. Oh, that is uh, that is excellent. No, the um, the just like ever increasing uh, uh, glory and and grandeur of the of the you know from the Tomb Laden theme to the gond as a yep. as as it grows into the Gondolin theme. Uh, that is, uh, that is one, just one thing that you will hear in the background is the is this one which which I played earlier. Valinor. The Valinor. So rising, in the background yes. of that is Valinor to, mm-hmm. to 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 bring back that that, that uh, what what Turgon's trying to do is to recreate Valinor on Middle Earth. Right. Right. Yeah. Excellent. Now, uh, Nick was asking. He says, I. He says, "I hear a lot of Italian in some of those minor movements. Am I imagining it?" Um, if it's there, it's unintentional. It's, it's unintentional. <laughs> um, if, if, it's, if, if it's there, if, if, if Nick recognizes those culturally, then um, he, he can own them. I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah, this is just curious. Great. Oh no, that was really that was really something. All right, so we've got two more. Uh, I know it's getting late, but we got two more here, and uh, the first one is the uh, is the Dragon Helm. In the final episode of season four, Morgoth unleashes a new terror in his war against the Eldar in Beleriand. Dragons. Glaurung makes his first appearance. In response to this, the dwarf smith Telkar fashions a helm to symbolize resistance against this new foe, the Dragon Helm, a sign of hope for elves, dwarves, and soon men. So, in one sense, this is similar to the. Um, uh, to the 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 rising of the sun piece in that this is uh another piece that's coming in this, this is likely to be the final minutes of the of the final episode of season yes. 4 right yes 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 and th- this will be played as I was reading the reading the the, the script for the mm-hmm. final episode I was imagining where the where where the dragon music would come in obviously the dragon helm music isn't going to come in yet right. um because it hasn't been created but I needed to show there's a link between between the two of them. So you'll hear in the main that the, the main thing with the dragon the dragon theme is this rundown of notes, and that will be repeated again and again. That, and then what I've done with the dragon helm is 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 that I've used that run of notes in a series of chords that go down. Something similar to that. I can't got the music exactly, okay. but the Dragon Helm uses that basis to create its own thing. Cool. All right. All right. I'm excited for the Dragon and the Dragon Helm. Let's let's hear it. 
Excellent. Excellent. Um, excellent. So, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I was really interested in some of the things that you were doing rhythmically during the dragon yeah. part at the beginning. Um, yeah. Uh, were you changing the, 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 the meter? You were changing the rhythm? The, the the rhythm was the same, but the but, but the beat that that boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom. Yeah, I'm beating out. I'm I'm beating out Morgoth's triad there. Okay. And I really wanted to show the infusion of Morgoth's will into yes. in, in, into these beasts. Um, and you'll hear you'll hear Morgoth, uh, Morgoth's triad um, at other times played by other instruments. And once again, yeah, that that um. um the ba bum where the brass is coming out with the da da that 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 is is really trying to show Morgoth's triad there and his and his influence mm-hmm. um, on the on those creatures. Yeah. yeah, and with the dragon helm, I get, by the time it gets to its sort of a climax, I, I can I'm imagining um, a charge in the battle with someone wearing the dragon helm at, at, at the head of that charge. That's the sort of feel that I was going for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the the, the kind of uh, the 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 slow change of chord, right? That sort of the the, the descent yes. that was going on up top is the one that that repeats the dragon theme, right? Yes, yes. So the chords are taking on that da 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 in right. in chords, right? In slow moving chords, right? So you don't get that yes. same sense of 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 rhythm there. But uh, but then those are those are the the descent of those chords is being sort of opposed by the the rising melody beneath it, right? Yes. Exactly, exactly, exactly right. With the um, with a, no, I can't, I can't exactly the, the that's it. Yes. That, that. Yes. And that's played strong, strongly with strength all all the way through. Yes. Yes. No, I really like that. It was like the uh, the uh, the the taking up of arms against you know the dragons, which I, I really like that mm-hmm. uh, that element of it. That's the, really cool. Yeah. And the final one, the horn plays that all on its own, so you can use that just as like a call to arms. The person yes. with the dragon helmet is calling, and you'll you'll just have the one horn sound out those notes, and yes. song. Yeah, I can see that being. Um, really dominant uh during for like Huron basically i see that really becoming um uh central in in a in, in a Huron theme especially yes oh that's that is uh that is that is excellent okay one more so it's fi- it's time for the premiere the so premiere. Tell, tell us about the the piece that we're premiering here well okay so this one started from a a, a forum thread that was begun by oh who was it? I can ne- I can never 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 get his angel angel one four five five e right um yeah. Ange one e four e five yeah I've got was... no idea who Ange one e four e five is right but he started the thread saying that he'd like to hear the de- the Diaz Irae that it should make its way into the score particularly in the Oath of Feanor scene. And he very quickly cited the burning homestead theme from Star Wars A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had to do my research into exactly what the Diaz era is. And um, apparently it's, it's hundreds of years old. 
Yes. And is uh, and using a chant in the in, in in a song for for the dead, and it's been used by uh, lots of composers over the years and put into the requiem mass. So now it's a, it's a very well known, and the motif is just simply. Um, I know whether Corey wants Corey. Do we have time to play that uh, those those two uh, clips sure, that I, I sent I, you sure, earlier? Yeah, I, I can I can I can we can play a little snippet here of the yeah. so this is the DSRA. It's very very simple. It repeats that over and over, and it's a it's a part of the requiem mass. Um, and it's made its way into movies, and mm-hmm. um, one of the most famous ones is where Luke comes back um, in in episode four and finds um, his uncle and aunt dead, and the 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 the, the, the force theme plays, and we've we've got a clip of that as well. But if you listen, the the as I played before, the the force theme is very recognisable, and then at the end of that, you'll hear it go into this. <laughs> And that's John Williams' way of incorporating the DSRA and indicating that the tragedy and death has occurred. Right. So, shall I play the Burning Homestead theme? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That'll be great. It looks like the sand people did this all right. Look, there's gaffy sticks, Fanta tracks. It's just, I've never heard them hitting anything this big before. They didn't. But we are meant to think they did. These tracks are side by side. Sand people always ride single file to hide their numbers. These are the same Jawas that sold us R2 and 3 And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. But why would Imperial troops want to slaughter Jawas? If they traced the robots here, they may have learned who they sold them to, and that would lead them back home. Oh, wait, Luke! It's too dangerous! very recognisable in, in a lot of films uh, lately, so it was very appropriate that it be included in the Othophanal. So um, this was a, a lo- very long process, but Marie, jumped, Marie Prosser jumped in very quickly and did a um, fantastic... Uh, she did her own translation of the Oath in Quenya, because I believe the Tolkien never wrote it in Quenya, and if this was to be the backing music during the Oath scene, it would have to be sung in Quenya. 
in the in the in the original language. Right. So she she did she did a wonderful translation, uh, and I worked with her back and forth. Um, and the, the 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 music that I came up with was 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 yeah effectively. Um, so there we've got the and we've once again we've got a a one two three beat for the L. So that's one two three, and there's our D A zero. Um, and particularly because the, this part of the, the 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 beginning words of it of the oath is well what, how the, how I've put it together is this we swear all death we will de- to deal to him ere day's ending so so the reference to death has to be marked by by the DS08. Right. Um, I started off with the fall thing from previously, um, so people might recognise that. Um, so that that that's the introduction. And it ends with the doom theme. So, and I actually uh, kept the words. Um, I kept kept the words to the everlasting darkness. Doom us if our deed faileth until the very the very very end. Um, this was a truly collaborative project because I got assistance from people all over the world. Um, I I roped in some of my. Um, some of my uh, choir members. So we've got about four or five members of my choir uh, in the Blue Mountains here in Australia who have uh, who provided vocals. Um, Megan provided vocals. Uh, Charlie Vaughan has provided vocals. He's in California. Um, Catherine from Switzerland has provided vocals. Um, um, another listener, um, Phil Phil Dean from Melbourne, um, who who found me on Twitter. Um, when I tweeted about it, he's provided vocals as well. So, so, so I've got a, got a lot of input. About eight on about nine or ten people have contributed vocals, but they've recorded themselves multiple times. So it's as if we've got about thirty or thirty-five voices here. <laughs> so we've I've gone for a real a, a real high coral um, thing here. Um, very very similar. I wanted to make it feel like the revelation of the ring race from. Uh, the Fellowship of the Ring, and also the Duel of Fates from Star Wars. I don't know whether people are familiar with 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 them or not, but there's a if Corey, you've got you've got just a little little clip of those. Um, so just just play a few seconds of those so that people understand what I'm talking about. Sure. Let's see. So the uh, insur- uh, sorry the ooh, revelation sorry. of the ring revelation race. of the ring race, right? Wait, hang on, it's... I'm not getting it here. Why is this not playing? Yeah. Huh. Uh, oh, well, look, that's, that's fine if you can't manage well, to get yeah, them. it's not working. Um, and the yeah, other one but the, re- the Revelation of the Ring Race is sung in Adonaic, um, and, and it backs, it, 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 it's the music that's backing whenever you have the, have the Black Riders chasing, right. chasing them through the Fellowship of the Ring. Right. Um, and the... And the uh, the duel of the fates is the battle between the two Jedi and Darth Maul in the Phantom Menace. It's probably the best thing in the Phantom Menace. Actually, it is the best thing in the Phantom Menace. Right. Um, and it, it's once again is is, is high coral, um, and um, I'm guessing that the language is from is is from the the, the Sith language, but uh, more uh, but uh, other people would need to confirm that. Right. Right. So look, we, look that's, that's not a problem if they're not going to play. We'll just get straight into the open. Look, this this is a premiere. This has not been shown anywhere yet. It's not up on YouTube yet. Uh, there's still a few tweaks that have to be done to the audio. And I've had a, a very good uh, uh, person, uh, husband of a friend from work, 
um, John Kelly has done the audio mixing and he's brought all the, all the voices into um, in, into control. Um, and and he's he's done a really good job of bring of bringing the vocals in together. So it sounds like we've got thirty or more people singing. Excellent, excellent. Let me let me go back to it here. All right, are we ready? There are lots of images of Feanor in here, but by different artists. So they're not different people, it's all just different people's uh, ideas.
amazing but it was all i could do not to sing along at the end that was, <laughs> that was really, really good <laughs> I, really... I had i had one of my i had one of my choir members uh add, add to add to a christmas card to me uh, <laughs> not a very good nice christmas christmas greeting no. <laughs> so it's not um wow that's um uh that's that's amazing. Uh, M- Megan says, as a, as a side note, she says, it's surprisingly hard to sing in Quenya. Uh, or maybe that's not so surprising. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's just because, you know, it's it's our it's the limitations of our mortal vocal cords or something. I, I, I don't know. But uh, that that is interesting. Um, uh, anyway, it's um, uh, so one of the things that I find most striking, uh, Philip, about the way that you've uh, arranged this is the way that it comes in as like a verse and chorus, but instead of being, you know, like one flowing, of course, like the, the sense of the English text, right? The, the, uh, the, the text of the oath of Feanor in English as it's given in the Silmarillion kind of like rolls over you with this like ineluctable crescendo of syntax, right? It's like this one long, enormous sentence that just keeps pounding its phrases and clauses into you, right? As it keeps like digging itself deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, uh, And so uh, you, but by taking it and by sort of separating it into basically three verses, right? Three verses within um, the chorus? Two, 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 no, two. Yeah, two verses and, and a chorus in between, okay. between each one. Okay, yeah. And, and, and yet, yeah. Well, anyway, I just, that, one of the effects of that was that it's it, it was uh, able to... Um, kind of convey the the sort of the not exactly shift in tone but the 
so like at the beginning, right? We're just talking about like uh, declaring enmity against Morgoth, right? It's like it starts off as defiance, the way that you have it, right? It's merely defiance, and then kind of like the 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 subsequent verses sort of reveal the increasingly uncomfortable sort of sketchiness yeah. of the oath as it, you know, descends down to uh, calling doom upon themselves at the very end. And of course the way that the, um, um, the way that the, uh, um, uh, the, the, um, the way that the, the, the tone and the pace changes right in those last sections as well was also very uh uh mm. re, you know really kind of brought that home as well yes yeah i really uh to to put it to to, to get it together musically i had to i had to break it up yeah. and when i had a close when i had a close reading of it um i i i sort of discovered that there are two actually just distinct sections to it Mm-hmm. The, the 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 one section which I turned in the, into the chorus is is is, is this is what we're going to do and yep. and they're our witnesses so yes. it's just about death we will bring to them and uh, and Eru and Manway and Bada are going to witness it and that's all it says so I was able right. to sort of compartmentalize that and say look that actually fits well mm-hmm. and then the rest mm-hmm. of it was actually too long to fit into one one right. just chop right. <laughs> Which, which is which is the as you said con- uh, increasingly sketchy stuff about exactly who they are going to kill exactly um, yeah. and and what will be the yeah, consequences yeah. if they don't yes yes uh, that's exactly. right and and what, what watching watching it over the last few days and all the images I put on put in an, an understanding like like a kin slaying and you get and the word well, the, the, the word uh, uh, it's, yeah be, be, be he be he elder Meyer or 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 um or aftercomer and they're killing the elves and it's like it's actually said like if the elves get in our way we're we're going to do it and so exactly that, that, that means it's very hard hitting to see those vocals absolutely so, yeah, no, I, and i was thing. very interested in your choice of the kinslaying images there because that's of course just what i was thinking we we're in that middle section uh i was i was definitely i was running through some of the scenes that i still have in my mind from our depiction of the kinslaying uh our discussion of the kinslaying back in the beginning of season three um and it's absolutely what i was what i was picturing you know seeing the 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 fanorians uh you know taking the ships and uh, embarking into the harbor and uh, uh fighting with the teleri uh, was definitely what i was picturing when i was listening to that and marie yes i know you're right of course the actual oath of fanor is not in the silmarillion i'm just talking about the sentence in which the narrator paraphrases the oath uh, as having that effect that I was describing. Um, But um, anyway, yes, I think that that's um, uh, uh, anyway, what a a very remarkable, what, what was it that led you to choose to do a choral piece for this in particular? Um, Pretty much the, the, the association with, with, with previous movies and being being a huge Lord of the Rings and um, and uh, Howard Shaw fan, just just to get the impact of the of 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 the of the full choir mm-hmm. coming in with such volume at the at, at those times, uh, just has such an impact upon you. And as soon as as, as soon as it was as soon as that that thread started in the in, in the forum, it was like, well, 
it, it has to have that particular tone. Um, it couldn't, to me, it just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't be anything else. It, it had to be, it had to, had to have lots of voices. You need a, a, a huge, a huge choir mm-hmm. belting this out. Um, and, uh, yeah, be, I think it'd be great to, great to see a, hear an actual choir do this in the recording. Um, the, the recordings, the, what, what's there is, is, is fantastic. But, but due to the limitations of, of what I'm working with, you can still occasionally hear like individual voices coming through. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it was actually in a choir, you wouldn't hear any individual voices. Right. It would all be just, just that choral sound. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, Megan says that she loves the inherent discord between the parts if you pick them apart individually. For example, she says the two lower female parts uh, were most of the time only one note apart, but still had a melody whole in and of themselves. But putting them together so closely gives that sort of an edge, uh, a discordant feel. And that is so similar to the discord of Melkor in the beginning. It just shows more waves of his malice spreading through the world. Mm-hmm. Yes, and there are even some Easter eggs in there. If for those people with attentive ears, in the in in in, in the in the in the verses in in the breaks in between the in between the phrases, you'll hear the um, you'll hear the the Noldor theme. <laughs> but instead of going down two notes, we're going so it's and then in the the, the second time uh, in in the second verse. Um, you hear that again, but over the top of it is overlaid, and this is no, this, this is no, um, uh, this, this did not happen by accident. You'll hear, which you should be able to recognise by now as Melkor's triad. Melkor's triad, yes. And it's, and it's no accident. Mm. I actually had that in mind when I wrote the Noldor theme. That right. the Noldor theme had to be able to be over overwritten by Melkor's triad at some right. time, and this, this is where it happened. Oh, that's fantastic. That is excellent. Well, Philip, thank you so much for all the work that you have done. This has uh, been a fascinating uh, uh, trip through this music that you've written, both stuff that you've revised from earlier seasons and stuff that uh, you've written for season four here. We are uh, so fortunate to have you. I will admit that when we were... Uh, and I've probably have said this before, but you know, when we originally envisioned the film film project and hoped that you know folks from our community would uh, contribute creatively to making this more special, I I scarcely dared hope that we would get a composer, uh, and uh, that has uh, just been such a, 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 a an amazing blessing to this project, and uh, I really appreciate your work. You're doing um, such wonderful. Uh, uh, you're, such a, a such an excellent contribution to the stories and themes and ideas that we are uh, you know that we've been trying to put forward and explore in film film and uh, your music has been a really powerful part of that and uh, I really appreciate everything you've done. Oh, thanks, thanks very much, Corey. But um, yeah, yeah look, I, I always say, and I say this to people quiet too. I wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it. Um, I'm getting a great deal of satisfaction um, out out of doing this. Uh, and 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 as to getting a composer on board um, before film film, I was not a composer. <laughs> <laughs> this is this, okay, this is when I started composing. Um, when 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 you put the call out for for um, for uh, some, some some music and some creative work, but I, I'm really enjoying. I'm I'm learning a lot about music. Um, 
And I'm, I'm hoping that this one will actually be picked up by the greater Tolkien community. It is really, I think it is really, really uh, has quite an impact. Um, <clears throat> and when, when it is in its final form, as I said, it's, it's not quite complete. Uh, there's some more instrumentation, a little bit more tweaking of the vocals uh, to, to, to go in there. Uh, when this complete and I do upload it, it'll be fantastic if people shared it among the Tolkien community because I think it will it'll be something that will capture people's imaginations. Yes, I think so. I think so. Excellent. Well, thank it you. Might so- be more people in the film film as well. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Very good. Well, thank you, Phil, for joining us. Thanks everybody for uh, uh, for joining along. We have two more sessions in season four. Uh, two more of our post production sessions next time uh, on January thirtieth. We'll be discussing the results of the casting poll and talking about the cast for season four. So we have our big casting episode there in two weeks' time, and then. After that, we have one more on our visual artwork. So please continue to share artwork on the boards in preparation for that uh, final session. And then we will be done, actually finished with season four uh, after that uh, episode in February. So thank you guys so much uh, uh, for this. Megan says uh, she, uh, it was amazing to be able to be a part of this. She says she's been lurking in the wings of the podcast for a long time and haven't been able to participate before. Uh, Megan, so glad that you did. Uh, I, I uh, really appreciate your uh, your sharing your talents with us and uh, uh, w- with your with your voice. And glad you could join us here tonight. And I too hope that we can uh, work together more in the future as we as we move on. So thank you everybody for listening. Thanks again, Phil. Yep, I've got a Luthien now. There's more singing jobs for Luthien. Absolutely. Yeah, very good. Okay, so uh, thanks very much, everybody. And I, I will say, as always, thanks for listening and Godspeed.